Okay, good morning. I'm puppy sitting and this puppy just sleeps all morning. <laughs> but I gotta make my coffee. So I was originally supposed to have Silver Sun pickups way back on season one of my caffeine withdrawal. They were gonna come over to my house and have coffee with me and sing a song. But unfortunately, that was right around the time when the whole world went into lockdown and we ended up just scratching the session completely. Well, I was so happy when Emilio, Silver Sun Pickup's publicist, reached out to see if I would want to reschedule for season two as a Zoom coffee hang with Brian. And of course, I said yes. Man, you guys, it's fun to go to another city and try out a new coffee shop. And now here I am at home making it at home, so we'll see how it is. Welcome back to my caffeine withdrawal. I am so glad we made it happen because I had such a blast chatting with Brian. We cover a lot in today's podcast, including how Brian first met his bandmate, Nikki, on a study abroad trip, and what it was like playing their first shows together at CMJ in New York. And of course, we eventually get to talking about our coffee setups, and be sure to listen in to the end because Brian also was kind enough to sing a song. I'm ready to go. All right. a year ago we were supposed to do like an in-person not just with you brian but with like the whole band if we were to do this exactly a year ago wouldn't that have been something <laughs> like literally in the beginning of everything going crazy yeah no like i had season one all planned out and you guys were going to be like the last band that i interviewed for the end of season one and then that was the one that got like canceled oh sorry um, no it's fine <laughs> but... our fault we did it <laughs> No, but here we are now. And as far as like creating songs for the band and everything, what is you guys' process? Do you guys write sort of separately and then come together? Or do you have like sessions and write with other songwriters or? I've never done that. I've, I know people do do that. I'm always amazed. It feels so personal to me. Not necessarily logical that it is. It just, just feels that way. So I get shy about that sort of stuff. Never quite really done that. What normally happens when we're finally off of a tour and we tour a lot, we like to play a lot of places. A lot of bands won't go. And I love going places that don't have a lot of bands coming in. It's just so fun. So, so we tour a lot often. And then when I come home, it usually takes a little while. Like once that record's out of your system, once that touring has sort of gone out of your system, you could feel like, you know, like buttered on bread, like you spread this thing too far. Like it, you're done with this record, you're yeah. done with this stuff, it's time to shut down. Songs start, when you have chances to hear yourself think. Touring is not necessarily that. It's very inspiring in a lot of ways, but for me, it's not inspiring creatively at all. So once you're just alone with your thoughts and you really can kind of settle into you know, normal life, you'll start hopefully hearing weird whispers. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the messages from something, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, if I don't get them, I don't. As you grow as a human, and you don't have to be a musician or an artist, you'll understand that your tastes change. And I think you just are interested in different sonics or different beats or, or layers or certain moods, really. They start collecting. And then once they collect enough where there's too much of it spinning around your head, then it's time to go to the band and start to work on them. And then everybody comes and then they sort of chisel it all away with me. 
I kind of get the ball rolling. I have like a song that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be exactly like that, but I have enough in there where it's, it's like a pretty raw, but complete song. Uh-huh. Almost you could ship things out or take things out or that doesn't need to be in there, but at least this is like a beginning process. And so everybody kind of goes at it. And with that, you know, it's sort of like everybody can kind of see, okay, you have this song idea and it goes like this, like it closes it in a little bit because there is only a certain way on the bass or the drums, like, oh, rhythmically, it's going to go like this. So then that way they can kind of see what is what we're doing. I go, oh, it's, it's this song is sort of like that. And our songs have a lot, of, a lot of movement in it. They see where they need to go and then they start making it real. And that's how it works for us. You were saying you grow and like are attracted to different sounds and different things like as you grow as an artist. And I'm curious, like in the years that you've been together, there must have been times where like one person wanted to go this way and the other person wanted to go this way. No, it's always kind of gelled. Yeah, because we're not very calculated like that. There's a safety to our band. There's a core thing that's going to sound a certain way that no matter how much we try and move that middle, it will never move. Okay. So we feel comfortable like well we are going to sound a certain way because it's us that gives us the safety to just try and run as far away from the thing knowing we're always kind of anchored so there's no like we should do this we should do that we just don't think of it like that we just kind of like the way things sound and if everybody's listening to different things or everybody's sort of uh, whatever they're interested everybody's always interested in so many kinds of things and we've been such fans of music for so long that in the beginning we critique ourselves so much and then we just shut that down like okay listen we can't we can't make a record that's just like what we all think doesn't sound like anything we <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so here's our low common denominator album we're pretty sure this isn't blonde redhead or built to spill we're pretty sure that doesn't have this and we said forget it what if it does who cares so all the things that people are sort of interested come together in a way yeah the songs sort of dictate themselves in a way like i do like to kind of put down certain rules and ideas of jumping off points for each record because at least it gives us something to do it doesn't mean we're going to listen to it you know i mean there's so many times where we're like this is our acoustic record where it's nothing but slow stuff that's it and then it's like nope here we go again loud crazy stuff yeah you know but we just do that to kind of focus ourselves and then once the train is moving and we start putting the tracks in front of it you forgot about them we just sort of need them in the beginning yeah i mean it sounds just listening to you like you guys are really comfortable like, it sounds like you bring these songs and you trust their ideas. Yeah, there's no ego, really. We've known each other for so long that when we even started all this stuff, I mean, if anybody got ego, it would be weird because the three other people would just be like, what are you talking We're right here, too. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, you know? What are you talking about? <laughs> it always feels and it's surprising still to this day when we all get together. We don't really know what it's for. I mean, obviously, we're making a record and obviously we're touring. There's, we've been lucky enough that there are people interested still. But when we're doing it, we just all kind of get in the room and then it's here we are again. And it's just kind of what's happening. Do we like this? Is this cool? And we have no input from the outside world. Everybody leaves us completely alone. It's always just us and whoever our producer is. Lately, it's been this guy, Butch Vig, that we love. And we just all hanging out and making something. And at this point, I do it naturally. I don't, I don't know when this happened, but we really do not think about what it will mean. We just are doing it. And all we want to do is be able to walk away from it feeling like we really went for it. You know, the the saddest thing would be if we felt like, oh, yeah, that record, we just kind of phoned it in or something. Like We're scared of that feeling. And so that's what we're really concerned with, just making this thing. And then after that is done, we always get completely shocked that then we have to talk about it and explain ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? And I go, what did I do? (laughs) 
you're just making the thing. And I think that's pretty healthy for people. Like as far as our band goes, we have our own little circus and we move in our circus and we don't really think about what our meaning is in the grand scheme of music. We take our songs very, very seriously. We don't take ourselves very, very seriously. We have been around for quite a long time. I really started to notice that, you know, as tours gone on and where your music places in certain people's lives. I remember in this last tour, we had these VIP things and I really got to talk to a lot of people and I was happy. And I, and I made a mental note to not be flippant about your own band because you're being flippant about something that this person now has listened to for 15 years. Yeah. You don't want to take yourself seriously. Like it's more almost like more of a protection of like your ego or thinking that you're somehow different than being just a human in the world, experiencing the world, making art. I think it's fine to recognize that like it has the potential to have significant meaning. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Oh, I think you're 100% right because that's something I really try to think about that balance in a way. Yeah, I should take a little more pride in things, but you're, I think it is a thing that you're just like, oh, I don't want this, this. I don't know. Fraud syndrome, how everybody sort of feels Ugh, like a fraud. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? And oh, that yeah. stuff really plays into it. And I think that there's something kind of healthy about that, but but I think it can be and has been hurtful to me. And, and sometimes when I'm just like, people are just like, stop. Well, I guess it's like everything, you know, there's like a balance there. But I am always been aware. Like when I'm actually talking to people or talking at shows or things like that, I do take what they're saying very, very seriously without trying to be like, look what I did. God made this guy cry. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, like I am a God. Oh, is your life help now? You're welcome. <laughs> yeah no you know what I mean it feels a little weird it is theirs we put it out there we put out this album and, and I've got my attachment to it our attachment to it and our meaning to it is not the standard of what this thing should be I know some bands do get miffed about this is my voice and you need to hear me and things like that and that's wonderful but for me I think you take it it's yours this is what it means to you. This is how it interprets. Just you filled in your life experience with these sort of words. Those words are wrong, but I like what you said better. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the separation goes like I'm hearing them talk about something that they own. I almost feel like they're not talking about something that I made. They're talking about something that they own. And that's almost how I feel about it. I mean, that resonates with me. I, I had a conversation with my friend Morgan and he was like, oh, how do you feel about like I had released a song or something? And, and I was like, it's someone else's now or like, you know, sometimes my yeah. mom will have these like interpretations of my songs or like, oh, oh, I love it. I, and, and I'll think to myself, it. that's great that you feel that way about that. So I have literally been at bars and stuff where I have seen fan guys tell fans, no, <laughs> that's not what that means. <laughs> that's what you think. No, man. This what, And I think, what are you doing? <laughs> like when I hear people's processes or storytelling or things like that, it is interesting. You know, it doesn't change how I feel about it. I guess if you're taking something like fundamentally crazy, like I understand born in the USA. I understand why <laughs> you need to come out and say, guys, are you not listening to this song? Oh, right. That's different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I definitely understand coming out and saying if, if something was attached to a song that was very negative, I would definitely. Right. When did you know you wanted to do music? And like, when was one of the first times you were like really moved by music yourself? Always. Songs affected me. You know, I could try to intellectualize why magic from Olivia Newton-John makes me sad, but I can't because it just does. I was a big soundtrack head and still really am. Like scores, Tron. I remember Tron sounding so dark and heavy to me, just like these weird. So I don't quite 
really remember the, the first time. <laughs> but that, that's one of the first songs I remember hearing like on the radio when I was a kid, like, like Olivia Newton-John, or Grease. I remember seeing the movie Grease at my friend's house. And for some reason, it just, they were dancing around. And I was just like, this is very upsetting. <laughs> I think I was five. Oh, <laughs> I was like, man, they sound sad. Like hopelessly devoted. Ooh, ooh. So that always has been the case. Even like the chipmunks or like cartoons. Oh yeah, I remember the chipmunks. Um, oh yeah. I had like the record, like my parents had a record player and I remember. Was... And you were just like, whoop, whoop, chipmunks, whoop, No, whoop. I loved the chipmunks record. That's what I remember. And I, they also had the carpenters record. Yeah, okay, the so, carpenters, I mean, the carpenters that, hands down. Then I was, I mean, I was five, but I was like obsessed with Karen Carpenter. Good carpenters are made for that. I mean, that's almost like a thing where you, the mood that you're feeling from it is purposeful. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they, yeah. it's very intense. Yeah, I remember the I remember the Carpenters too, and I remember like music scared me too. Like if they use robot voices or things or Prince, like I love Prince because he was kind of scary, but he was so awesome. Yeah, I mean I was from Nebraska, so it was like my parents' music and then like Top Forty, like Casey Kasem's. I used to listen to. Oh, Casey Kasem. I know. I used to listen to it every Sunday night. Top Forty. Awesome. Oh yeah. That was back probably when Top 40 was just what the Top 40 songs were and wasn't a style. You know what I mean? It was like, coming up number two, Iron Maiden, Run to the Hills. <laughs> but not quite like that, but, you know. Psalm 69 from Ministry, playing right now. <laughs> kind of an education of a lot of genres. Yeah, it was a little bit more all over the board. My sister had Prince on cassette tape. Oh, nice. Purple Rain. And what I remember about it is Prince wasn't necessarily as in my world but it was like she had a couple cassette tapes and this is when I was like in elementary school that I would take from her it was Prince and it was Weezer (laughs) very different but both of those tapes I would listen to both awesome and Mm -hmm. weren't for whatever reason on top 40 in Nebraska that much so felt like I was discovering this secret thing and it was my older sister's tape I would like basically steal the cassette tape and listen to it when I would walk to school yeah, because it would be it would be so personal. I remember thinking it's adult, like yeah. Prince is adult. Yeah, I mean, Prince felt very saying, adult. Kind of scary, you know, like uh-huh. Donnie Nicky was scary. I didn't know what he was saying. I mean, Purple Rain is insane record. Right? Yeah, it's probably one of the best records ever. Just like how how it moves. But as a kid, you're not necessarily thinking like that. You just it's just sort of hitting you. Like the sounds make affect you in a certain way. Yeah, and it's they're singing to you. As a kid, you really feel. It's right to you. You want to put your headphones down because if it's too freaky. Yeah. (laughs) No, I remember um, the Prince Purple Rain because like, I don't know that the songs had any sort of like real, like I understood the meaning of any of it. No, Because I mean, I was literally like, I don't know, so little. But I remember being in our basement listening Mm -hmm. to it. And I remember the walk with the cassette tape. I just remember feeling like, yeah, discovering something. The recording tape is such a big thing or whatever. Yeah. CD skip 10 seconds, like, check it out. I have a CD thing that can shake for 10 seconds. It doesn't <laughs> skip. This is as good as it's going to get. But I used to like tape theme songs of cartoons when I was really little. Like, and it would go on the TV and I would just like wait for the song and, and I listen to it like, walking around. And I, I don't know why. Really. I remember specifically recording DuckTales, the DuckTales theme oh, yeah. song Dude, on my cassette a banger. <laughs> yeah. And Gummy Bears. Do you remember Gummy oh, Bears? Banger. <laughs> I think there are new versions of all those things. Yeah. But my son even knows like, woo, you know? Yeah. Such great music. <laughs> yeah. Those songs are, those songs are bangers. Jamming the holograms and all those sort of yeah. cartoons. Like just really jamming out to those songs. 
Did you have any brothers or sisters? I have a sister who's older, yeah. Okay. Who was actually pretty influential. The stuff coming through her wall, she was way more adult even when she was really young. Didn't quite turn into the goth that she became and has still claimed. Yeah. But like loved so much stuff. So I would hear Depeche Mode banging through the wall or I would hear so much and start to brave it. Like if it sounded freaky and strange, I would be super attracted to it. Yeah. I remember trying to brave up to Depeche Mode or something. Like, yeah. Oh, that's so strange. Can I, like, and then trying to listen to it. And then finally, like, you know, those are the stuff you love. The stuff that shakes you in yeah. the beginning is the stuff that you end up just like adoring, I think. I was going to say there is something still in me about sometimes music feeling like a secret. Like sometimes if I do find a song that just like hits me so hard and like the kind of song where you like want to listen to it like 10 times in a row, sometimes I'll almost not... I love sharing music on Instagram and stuff. And like one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because like I want to like interview my favorite bands. Like I love sharing music. But there is a part of me too that like, oh, this is like my little secret. This gets into the high fidelity syndrome, which can get a little. (laughs) High fidelity. Okay. It's always shocking. Like I remember waiting in line to get PJ Harvey tickets. Back when you had to like wait in line being pretty young. At the same time, Van Halen tickets went on sale, you know? And it was sort of like our little PJ Harvey fans in the middle of this Van Halen, nothing against Van Halen, rest in peace, buddy. It felt so like weird, you know? Like it made you feel like, oh, this is ours. Yeah. Then you go to the show and it's 2000 of you and it's always a little bit strange at first. Everybody likes music at a certain point. And only some people splinter off from it and start to like it in an area where they start discovering and digging and sharing. And when you start doing that and the things aren't around, like you don't know a million people listening to it, maybe some of your friends or maybe just you. And you go to a show and there's so many of them <laughs> that it feels so weird. For, I remember thinking it was so strange. Yeah. It's like, whoa, this person's huge, you know? And yeah. I, like only me and two people know about her. But the other thing is I never, never understood like indie rock, the mentality of trying to strangle the band to its death. You know, when a band or an artist or something makes a record and you can feel them making a move towards something that's not genuine, that's different. They're trying to appeal. And if that kind of comes through, it doesn't feel natural on the soil, then that's a little, you don't really like that. Because people just find the secret and find yeah, them. Yeah, it's like I, I was always happy later yes. on. Yes. Like, I was just like, no way. People are, like, people are listening to Modest Mouse now. Like, good. Kim Gordon, I think, from Sonic Youth, I remember she said something like, those people need to hear this. That's how I have always felt. And it would be frustrating. And I don't think it's that way as much anymore. But I remember when we started coming up, I remember having some friends just like, oh, come on. Just because they sold out Spaceland, like your fandom is going to strangle this band to like they want you to be stay their own secret or something. But like if it resonated with a small group of people, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's because the things that make them different are the things that turn people off. But I think that's great because it's like the people that love it, love it. And the other people are just like, eh, but that's how it has to be. Of course, the movie that you absolutely love, people have to hate it. They have to because it's just not for everybody, but it happens to land on what you like. If other people are finding out and they do like it, it doesn't change the quality of the It doesn't change the quality. It's still the exact same song. It's still the exact same people making it. It's still yours. That's what I remember telling my friend once. It's still yours. Yeah. (laughs) It's still yours. But I never got into something on the basis of that. I like this because no one likes it. Like that's weird. Right. Fun. 
and you do it's feel fun like, when you feel I like you discovered it yeah mm-hmm. like i remember a boyfriend saying to me like he like worked more in like music industry and he was like you always like these people that only has like 2000 plays on spotify but like years later that guy that i used to listen to on spotify this he got so big and like now has like so many and i'm happy but it's like i just feel more like oh well i <laughs> people get mad i remember like seeing midsummer luca guadagnino's suspiria i love they're so made for me, but you know, when you're in the theater or it follows, I remember seeing that movie and I'm just in awe of it, but you could feel some people in the theater just being so upset. Like they're just so mad at this thing. They're just so, it's like, this does not feel like the normal movie. This is not, this is too fucked up. And two couples, we saw two couples get into a fight. The fact that, you know, like you are never choosing a movie again. <laughs> wow. Okay, so tell me about when you were like, I'm a musician, or did you always know that? No, my, I always sort of make a joke that I'm the kind of musician that when I walk into a room and I trip over my guitar and my guitar makes a clang, then I go, oh, I like that. I'm going to build a song off that versus like knowing a lot of technical stuff, which I used to project a little more, but now I feel like there's a way to maybe fuse the two. Uh, my sister played piano and I kind of liked doing it, but I, it wasn't really for me. And there was like a guitar class in my elementary school. They had like every couple of weeks, a guy would come and teach guitar. And normally he'd play, do the recorder and we'd go, you know, go like, this land is your island. Uh-huh. <laughs> he started teaching guitar and I just really liked it. I don't know. It never felt like the kind of effort that seemed tedious. I kind of liked it. And so I never really remember not being able to play it in some fashion. So I just started to play it. So I was around seven. Never imagined myself as a songwriter. I still kind of don't. And when I think of songwriter or musician in my head, I guess I have my own definition of what they are. And I feel like I don't. I'm just like, no, that doesn't seem like me. You know, I always think that's someone that has a process that they can, like a technical ability that they can just go, oh, I'm a songwriter. So hold on, let me help you out. I've never really considered myself as such. We started this band just a bunch of people that i knew and we were just kind of screwing around and i think we all would have been too shy to try and do anything with it but we would i had these little ideas and i never really sang or anything and nikki my bass player and one of my best friends <laughs> did you guys grow up then no in we sti- we i met nikki on a study abroad in cambridge england where i met the queen <laughs> <laughs> i did accidentally wow yeah that was funny i thought everybody did when I went back to my host mom that night, I realized that nobody has. <laughs> I just be there when she came to the train station. And I met Nikki. She was on the same study abroad. And we met on a plane. And then um, we just started doing that. And Nikki made a tape of this weird, like a boombox tape and sent it to CMJ, which was a music festival in New York. She thinks it was very serious. We didn't take it seriously. We're like, oh, what? And then we got into the thing. And so we thought, uh-oh, what are we going to do? We, we want to go see bands. And some of our friends are out there. So let's just go and see what happens and just get through whatever it is we do. And my friend, my girlfriend at the time, Elvira, who's still we're really close with, she was our drummer and she knew two beats. And so I would just kick the drum beat, the drum, kick drum, so she would change. <laughs> and we didn't have tempos or anything. So she just would go on whatever tempo she was on and we would just play the thing over that. It must've been a nightmare. Wait, had you guys like been practicing and stuff? Yeah, well, yeah, but we were, we were just, like there were no endings or beginnings or things and hardly any lyrics. And I, you'd hear this like, <laughs> and uh, we played that thing and got to hang out in New York. And a person that we knew 
from living uh, in the east side of Los Angeles and going to the venues and having friends play, when the owners of one of those clubs saw us in New York, knew us as patrons and just people and asked what we were doing there. And we said, we just played. And he went, I didn't know you had a band. So when you fly back to LA, you'll play Thursday. And we went, okay. And so we went, oh no, now we have to do this like in front of our friends. We just started playing from then on. We were just playing for years in LA. We just did everything almost in front of people. We almost became, we found our sort of sonic identity in front of people, which I think is great, but scary. Like you're just naturally following the instincts. It must have been a disaster. <laughs> it must have been bad. You don't have any video, I guess, from that first CMJ, or do you? And you just don't want to see From that CMJ, I barely remember much at all, except we were surprised that our friends came. We were like, whoa, this wasn't supposed to be an unveiling. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody was really kind to us, and people always were really, really kind to us. When I look back on it, we had a very pure minds where we just were, again, only focused on trying to figure out what it is we were doing. We weren't thinking about anything else. We weren't thinking about stuff that seemed like, oh, that's stuff that won't happen to our band. Like we weren't worried about any of having a team or any of that stuff. We'd see people with, and we'd just go, whatever. We're just trying to figure out what we're doing. And that would just span for like a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was really good. Like by the time we started to really record and started to tour, we were used to tour playing. We've gotten really comfortable. We were on stage a lot. So by the time stuff like that came, we were pretty prepared for that, especially when things go wrong. Monitors, we didn't know what a monitor was. If it didn't work, who cares? We, we didn't hear ourselves ever, but we were used to it. When the band started to need managers or those kinds of things, mm -hmm. did, how did you deal with that? Did people just sort of naturally come in and you trusted them or didn't? Or was it like you guys just managed yourself at first? Or did you have a business mind about it at all? Mm, as things would happen, we started to realize what the roles of that was, you know, what we could like take on. And we had a manager, he had an EP that we started touring and that, that actually became a much bigger tour than we thought. And we were re recording a record at the same time. And then that record, things just started to change and we were just exhausted by, you know, all the ins and outs of it. And we just, and basically it was always very like people that we knew and trusted. Our instinct was always that work with people that you like. And that led us to Q Prime, who we're with now, since we've been with since 2007, and we got a call about this big company in New York that wanted to manage us. And we said, no, no way. Because we thought, oh, that's like Metallica and Chili Peppers and things like that. And we just like, well, no, we're not going to fit with that. We said, no. And then we were told, listen, they don't really reach out like that. So you should just meet them. So we met him begrudgingly, having an idea of what they, we thought it would be like. And it wasn't. It was exactly what we loved about the people that we work with. Like, I love the talk about the philosophy of the music. I love the bands that they're interested in. They were just, their office was this shitty office, which was so <laughs> great. It's actually a coffee and music podcast. And I realized I didn't ask you about coffee, oh, but. Little Ripper. Okay. I got my coffee from Alfred this morning, but it's my like, I, I was like, I, I usually make my own coffee. But this morning, I needed to go out and see a human face, so I... <laughs> I like that, too. I, I'm not a big coffee snob. Are you, are you pretty particular about your coffee? You know what? At first, I used to just love all coffee, and I would be like, oh, I'll do the gas station coffee. I'll do the whatever. The more I've gotten into, and even with this podcast, I've gotten more particular. And pour-overs are kind of what I have to... I think that gas station coffee has its place. I mean, when we tour a bunch and once in a while we're in hotel rooms because mostly we're on a bus, but there is something about that really watery, shitty little machine 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I like it in the morning. Like it just gives you a tiny little. It's first of all, it makes a smell, which I really like. It just gets you a little up, which I like. I realized over time, like I, I've kind of stayed away from like places in Silver Lake. There's a place called Tropical Cafe that I used to love, like their Cuban coffee and stuff. But that stuff is so zingy. I remember one time being in my room, just holding my chair, going, "Okay, just gotta ride this thing out." And I stopped doing. <laughs> Overdid it, overcaffeinated. All we ever have in our house is we only have used like a French press. <laughs> That's really much it. And then I, we kind of don't get too particular about coffee. So right now we're using this brand, which I actually think is pretty good. Oh, it is good. It's the one from like 365 and Whole Foods and stuff. Yeah. We get bored, so we'll change it up. But what I started to do like during the holidays and all that stuff was I'll just find a random bag at Target, like one of these, and I'll just find a flavor and I'll just sneak it in there to see if she could taste it. And she always could, and she didn't really like it. And then after a while, she was like, oh, I, I kind of miss having the little, it's all blended a little bit just to give it a little fun. I like it pretty black. For a while, I couldn't do it black because I felt like it was too acidic, but I don't drink anymore. It turns out it was because I was drinking too much. So after I stopped drinking, I can drink black coffee again. It makes me happy. Yeah, I go through different waves where sometimes I like, I have to have black coffee and then maybe it's like when the holiday, I don't know when it feels more like a treat or dessert, then maybe I'll want to have a little like milk in it or. There was a while. Yeah, that's the treat. It is weird. It's true. You know, I was like, whoa, you got a crazy creamer. Let's do <laughs> For about two years, we were always ordering coffee from Cafe du Monde from New Orleans because it had this little hickory thing. And I didn't know you could buy it here in LA. So I just <laughs> go and have it mailed to us. And we really, really got into it. But again, you get used to stuff. What are you looking forward to with your band and specifically like creatively? My answer is really esoteric because I'm not. That's really... great. I... <laughs> some things about all this. I think most people have said this, so it's nothing weird, but there's something I like about the way life has sort of shifted, at least for me. It sounds so strange. I'm almost tighter with my friends than I was before. Like the time that I've sort of made to like Zoom with people or do their backyard screenings or listen to things together, like listen to records and talk to each other, like is stuff that would have been much harder to do because you felt like you couldn't do it. We really have a really tight group of friends that I adore. And it's been such a pleasure to really connect in that way, be with my family. There's certain things that are just, I know that I'm going to see them here. And I know that my son's going to be here. Something about that that I find so healthy. Um, My hope is that when all this sort of opens up, like you can carry that with you and having it feel natural and not like you have to set the time. You have to set the time. You have to set the time. It just feels like you do set the time. You know what I mean? And take some time to sink into, like I've loved, I love being able to rewatch things. Like we really rewatched some really weird movies or done weird series or things that we've loved or listened to records. What it is that you love about that art, just stuff like that, that I hope carries forward. So when I hear everything opening up, I am super excited and happy and I want everyone to be healthy. And it's such a, I think we're so far away from really understanding how fucked up this was. As much as I want to open, there's a little bit of me that's like, oh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know, and I know what it's going to be like. It just sort of ends up happening, just like we're talking about. You know how you're going to feel when you open it up. I just hope you bring a little bit of this, not necessarily the, the, the trauma, the national, the global trauma that we're all going to carry. And we're all going to have a little scab after this, but the, the stuff that makes you feel more centered. Yeah, I think it's okay to be like, well, there was something good that, you know, even if it, like we're all acknowledging we've been through this trauma and like I want to rewatch the movies I loved as a kid, not just because I have time, but because like 
it is fun and like I guess I yeah I feel like just taking care of myself a lot a lot better than I I guess I thought I was but I've I'm really done that more and yeah, I want to make sure that it just for me that really clears up my mind to be much more uh, at peace with a lot like have things not hit in such a huge way I'm just nervous that the band that gets ripped off everyone runs out and then it's like oh can you believe this guy fucking market you know what I mean yeah like I can't wait to be in the movie theater and have someone shush someone and be like awesome <laughs> yeah. I love a good shush. I feel oh, like yeah. all the different ones, all the different shushes. Yeah. I love a good shush. I love it. I love when there's like the brave soul in the theater that's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that person. <laughs> um, will you play a song for us yeah, today? Yeah, totally will. Yay. Yeah. It's called Doesn't Matter Why. I like playing it because it's fun. All right. Wait, 
your eyes Finally see we've all gone blind And we all gone blind Doesn't matter what we know Doesn't matter what we know Doesn't matter what we know We just know Doesn't matter why we know. Doesn't matter why we know. Doesn't matter why we know. We just know. Yay! Woo! My dog is like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, you guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Take care. Okay, so there were some hand claps in that song. Were you guys able to clap along at home or what? <laughs> I don't know if you're driving or maybe you can't clap along. But I loved making this episode and I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Brian a little bit. And, you know, if you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to like and rate and subscribe and share with your coffee and music loving friends. It really helps us out. And also, I have a special signed My Caffeine Withdrawal 8x10 and purchasing one is a great way to truly support this podcast if you are enjoying it. It definitely will help us to keep us going. Hey, also, I recently released my new album, so I'm linking my new album below in case you want to check it out, as well as the official My Caffeine Withdrawal Spotify playlist, which includes some tracks from Silver Sun Pickups, and also a link to the official Facebook group if you want to keep the music and coffee chat going. Thanks again for listening in this week. Next week, we have Manchester Orchestra, which I am super excited about. And until then, I hope you have a great week filled with lots of good music and delicious cups of coffee.